Hi, everyone. I'm Denise Garth, Chief Strategy Officer at Majesco, and you're listening to the Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast series. Follow along as I interview the best and brightest leaders in the insurance industry and insure tech landscape to bring you the latest in digital transformation, innovation, industry trends, challenges, and opportunities, as well as next-gen technologies. We use our experience to anticipate what's next without losing sight of what's now. Stay tuned to find out your next now. Welcome, everybody, to today's podcast for our Future of Insurance Industry Leaders. I am thrilled today to have Kyle Caswell, the Chief Revenue Officer at Earnix, join us. Kyle, welcome. It is a thrill to have you here with our new partnership that is, I think, going to have some really interesting things ahead. I'm excited, Denise. Thanks for having me today. Looking forward to the conversation. Just for the audience, I always like to have you start with just a little bit of background on yourself. Talk about Ernix from your perspective, our partnership. Yeah, appreciate that. So I have a very simple kind of unicornish background. I'm a lifer in the insurance business. And I say lifer, I celebrated a birthday yesterday. So it's reminding me of how long I have been doing this. Way too long. No, I, Kyle, they say yeah. once you're in, you're never out of this. I, you know what? You know, the funny thing is I chose to get in too. So many people say they accidentally fell in. Well, I chose it as my profession, even before I got out of college, but I had every functional job you could have in the insurance business, was a licensed broker, claims adjuster, underwriter, done it all, love it. About halfway through my career, I got a little burned out on insurance. And actually a friend of mine here in Atlanta, where I live now said, you know, there's a whole technology business that serves the insurance industry. And I'm like, no kidding. Well, I have some domain expertise. Why don't I give that a try? And I got hooked. So I have been in this insurance technology business, which I was in insure tech before it was cool. That's the way I like to say it. And that's, that's all I've ever done. So been around core system vendors and analytic and data companies. I was prior to joining Ernix. I spent seven years at Verisk Analytics and ISO, which probably most of the audience would be familiar with. So super excited about having joined Ernix uh, at the beginning of the year. For those that may not be that familiar with Ernix, a really cool, yet another InsureTech unicorn that uh, has been around about 22 years. So you, you say, well, how could it be an InsureTech unicorn and be around that long? Well, one of the things it has going for it is it actually has revenue. It actually has customers. It actually has really successful products. So they've built this business over years. Uh, it was very successful outside the United States, companies based in Tel Aviv, Israel, with about, you know, gosh, I think 400, cl closing in on 400 employees. And most of the business they developed in those 20 years was, you know, across Europe, mostly Europe, Australia, some South American business, really just in the last few years, decided to really break into the North American market. So have, have had some success both in the United States and Canada. And Erdix, you know, is a really cool company that has a, a kind of AI machine learning platform that is used primarily by insurance companies and banks in their modeling, pricing, and rating functions. So it doesn't matter whether we're talking about banks doing automobile loans or insurance companies working on their pricing. A lot of the same challenges around, you know, analytic data usage and nowadays applying AI machine learning techniques to that. Uh, it applies across all these fintech industries. So that's what, what Ernix does, does it quite well. Our partnership 
newly kind of minted partnership with Majesco is one where, you know, we hope to scale these is that core system vendors such as Majesco, I have a place in my heart for Majesco, watched you guys grow very successfully, you know, over the years and, and really be at the forefront of, of things like digital transformation. And now, you know, I would say really one of the true leaders in cloud deployment in the business we're in. But at the end of the day, there are still things that core system struggle with. One of those things is the incredible sophistication that is wrapped around pricing and rating engines these days. Every core system's got great rating engines that you know can certainly stand up new products and, and run the core systems. But what we're finding, and we'll probably get into this conversation, is the demands on the level of sophistication, the type of data that's being used in these modeling, pricing, and rating platforms now is, is like nothing I've ever seen in my career. So it kind of takes a, a different level of specialization to do that really well, but at the same time, be fully integrated with whatever the core platform is that you want to attach to. So that's, I think, at the essence of what Ernix and Majesco are trying to accomplish, and hopefully a few of our common customers can, uh, can benefit from it. Yeah, the days of the simple pricing and rating are well gone, even for yeah. some of the, the personal lines products. And, you know, that's one of the areas that pricing and rating are increasingly more complex for mm -hmm. underwriting. And it's for a range of new innovative products that are coming to market. But I think it's becoming even more important now as we look at the economic conditions of the market, you know, with increased inflation, uh, yeah. with the challenges of supply chain. We're seeing, you know, what may be underwritten over the last six to nine months isn't going to be sufficient to meet the claims cost expectations. And so that whole element of pricing and then ultimately getting into rating, I think is getting more of a focus uh, because of some of those challenges, let alone just the new innovative products. So how does Ernix specifically help address this and that integration into a core system like Majesco? Well, interestingly, you just touched on it. So one of the things that we that I've been observing, again, hate to admit how long I've been doing this, the insurance industry is 300, 400 year old industry, as we all know. And it, even here in North America, we've been rating and doing pricing pretty much the same way for the last 40 or 50 years. And it mm -hmm. sounds absurd considering nothing in our lives is the same from 40 or 50 years ago. I must admit, having worked for a company like Verisk, who is one of the largest sellers of what I call traditional data to the insurance industry, that, you know what, we've used the same data elements, the same, let's say, 10 or so data elements to rate your automobile policy and the same 10 or 15 data elements to rate your homeowner's policy for all these years. And yeah, we found different ways to slice the pie and be a little bit different here and there. And, and underwriters have found new things to add to what I'd call acceptability or, or underwriting guidelines, not necessarily pricing, but the pricing has stayed very basic. And what has happened over time is obviously companies want to compete and differentiate with each other, but they've also really struggled with profitability. I mean, if you read industry newsletters like I do, unfortunately, one of my hobbies, you see that you know a lot of the PNC insurance industry is struggling with overall profitability. You just touched on a few things like inflation, uh, supply chain issues. These are sort of external uh, exogenous things that you know come along from time to time and really create issues. But we've been on this track for quite some time, whether it's the level of sophistication that automobiles have. I mean, you know, back in the day, you cracked a windshield, it was a couple hundred bucks to fix a windshield. Now it's got so many sensors in it that it's a $3,000 windshield. 
Um, nobody took that into consideration. Pricing didn't change so much that all of a sudden we decided to price appropriately for a $3,000 windshield. And homeowners insurance, you know, unfortunately put all the political things aside, climate resiliency change, natural disasters, the number and severity of those types of things, you can't make money unless you are really sophisticated in your use of data. So the big fundamental change is that companies now are looking what I consider to be non-traditional data sources to bring into their pricing model. If every system you've used was designed to use those 10 or 15 data elements that you've always purchased or you've always collected, and now all of a sudden you're trying to bring in things like telematics data or aerial imagery or geospatial data or social media data or any of the number of things, you don't even have a system that knows how to consume that, let alone translate that into meaningful pricing. Where Ernix, I think, is really out front in a lot of this is not just being able to, like any you know, good analytic AI-driven system, be able to analyze vast quantities of data on the traditional side, but also really the sky's the limit. Really, the only thing we're limited by is our imagination on what kind of non-traditional data elements you might want to bring in to your modeling, your pricing, and your rating, and still make it all ultimately work within the the context of the rating engine or the rating mechanism you have within your core system. I think that you started to hit on one of the areas is really becoming, I think, hot as seeing real significant growth. And if you listened to Warren Buffett's shareholder meeting, mm-hmm. he was asked a question about their growth and their profitability as compared to progressive. And he admitted that Geico hasn't been at the forefront for telematics. Uh, something that progressive has been. And I think increasingly more insurance companies are beginning to look at this. And once again, because of economic conditions, because of COVID, I think customers have really kind of looked to the options of telematics for different types of pricing to kind of drive down the cost of, of insurance. So you guys have really moved into that, particularly here in North America with an acquisition. Talk about what you guys are doing to support the various different telematic products coming to market. Cause this is one of the areas that I think from a partnership standpoint, we're pretty excited about. Telematics or usage-based insurance, pay-as-you-drive, you know, there's a variety of different flavors. It's not new, been around for a number of years, certainly progressive at the very front of that, real pioneers in the original snapshot and now all the different variations that they've got. But the overall industry, we sell to risk-averse people. Again, back to all the things we just talked about, spinning up a new program, having a whole new pricing structure. A lot of these things were challenges for companies to even enter into the telematics space with respects to, let's say, a new or a different type of auto program. At Ernix, we obviously had existing customers who were already beginning to dabble in telematics. We acquired a telematics company called Driveway uh, a year or so ago for a lot of reasons. One, we wanted to have data collection capabilities and we have now through Ernix a you know, really cool app. We, we work, it's agnostic. We work with devices, we work with apps, we work with you know OEM sensors, but we have our own app. If somebody says, yeah, I don't have any kind of way to stand up a telematics program, we can take them from you know zero to operations very quickly. But Really more importantly, what we wanted to get was we wanted to really start to understand how you take telematics data and you turn it into meaningful pricing. Because what my observation in the industry has been, everyone looked at the telematics space, they saw people dabbling in it. A lot of the big companies created a new program or a spinoff company. But you know, the more you read about it, 
the more you see companies that have not been that profitable. I'm not going to pick on some of our new insure tech brothers that have gotten into the business, but some of them have really struggled. You know, they raised a bunch of money. They went public in some cases. And all of a sudden, you know, they're just not writing profitable business. And at the end of the day, you can have the sexiest technology in the world, but insurance is pretty fundamental. You take in a dollar, you pay out less than a dollar. If you can't do that, depending on what your investment return is, you're not going to make money. What we have noticed at Ernix, and, and certainly within my kind of contemporaries in the business, is the struggle is taking that telematics data. And what you intuitively want to do is, you know, give somebody, a customer, a better perceived value on what they're paying for insurance. And certainly you had just touched on it. COVID brought that right to our, the forefront of all of our minds and that our cars were sitting in our garages or our driveways. We were not driving anywhere and we were paying full price for our insurance. And yes, some of us got rebate checks or credits, you know, as a one-time accommodation, but it really made you rethink, you know, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I'm not driving 10, 15, 20,000 miles a year anymore. A fraction of that. And do I really want to, one, do I need a car? And two, do I want to pay for insurance the way I've traditionally paid for it for literally my entire life? And the answer is no, I don't. I, I want something that's more personalized and more very much aligned with, you know, the way I utilize things in my life. And that's, I think that could be said of a lot of different lines of insurance, but for auto, that's the key. And what we're trying to help enable is translating telematics data and the desire to want to give somebody a kind of a usage-based discount and have that end up being profitable. Because what's happening to a lot of companies now is they're going out there, standing up a telematics or pay as you drive or usage-based program giving everybody a 30, 40% discount and they're getting crushed. I mean, they're just getting adversely selected against. I think you got to be able to translate that into, again, meaningful segmented pricing to be profitable. And that's, you know, the whole industry hasn't figured that out yet. Progressive is pretty darn good at it. Again, they've been at the forefront of that. They probably have more millions of driver miles for telematics data analyzed than, than anybody except, you know, maybe some of the telematics providers like Cambridge. But at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to to help companies enable, which is that from data to pricing to profitability sort of issue they've got right now. Kind of taking the combination of this whole concept of pricing and rating and the sophistication around that, along with telematics, not just for auto, but it could be into for homeowners insurance, you know, from mm -hmm. an IoT standpoint as well. What are you seeing with your customers, both in the EU and the US? Sometimes the EU or other areas of the world are a little bit more innovative because they don't have the constraints of some of the regulatory that we do here in the U.S. Yeah. It kind of happens there before it comes to the U.S. What innovative things are you seeing that insurers are doing to personalize and make insurance more transparent that insurers here in the U.S. really should take note of? You, you touched on the single biggest difference. We have some very, very different data privacy laws and we have very different insurance regulations. When you get down to the way that Telematics, for instance, there are certain countries in Europe that, you know, almost every program is a telematic. I mean, a very, they're out in front of it. They've had um, better technology. I mean, most people may or may not be aware that most European countries are well ahead of the United States on even things like 5G, you know, deployment of, you know, high-end cell service, that type of thing. So if you've got that sort of embedded framework that's working in your favor, you can innovate pretty quickly. A lot of European countries have done that. There's no doubt about it. But you have, again, depending on the on the region, the countries, you know, you have the ability to do things like price optimization. It's a big no-no here in the United States. Things, you know, people got into trouble with it years ago. There's also things 
variations of that, like rate factor optimization, the ability to be able to adjust prices in real time, judging with things that are going on, not just on a risk by risk basis, but things that are going on within your portfolio, your book of business. Those are things that can be done in some other parts of the world that is still very difficult to do here in the United States. Again, mostly because of the regulatory environment. And, and in some cases, a lack of understanding on the part of regulators on how some of these AI models and other things really work. I think, you know, there were, we're starting to catch up, but there were, you know, the technology had gotten way out in front of what some of the capabilities and understandings of the regulators were. And hey, listen, their jobs are to protect consumers and to make sure people are not discriminated against. And I applaud that. I've been doing this for a long, long time. But at some point, when you can show that the AI models aren't, aren't discriminatory, they're not just black boxes that nobody can figure out, and that there are real benefits to actually providing really specific personalized pricing to one person over another because they have distinctly different risk characteristics. And those might be risk characteristics that you and I never even knew existed before. I use this example as, a, for instance, let's say Kyle, my twin brother, lives right down the street from me. We drive the same car. We live in the same house. We've got the same credit report. Pretty much everything about us is the same. But And we drive the same number of miles to work. But Kyle drives through like 10 intersections that are really high-risk intersections. And we know that from a lot of different data. And the other Kyle, he drives a different way to work, same number of miles, doesn't go through any of these high-risk intersections. Are we the same risk? Are we exactly the same risk? And should we be priced exactly the same way? And I would argue the answer is no. But if you were to try to implement that model in most jurisdictions in the United States today and say, hey, I can, I'm can, i not discriminating against one guy or the other. I'm just assessing them for the risks that they represent. Right now, you'd be challenged by that. But I think as time goes on, and again, new data source, people get more comfortable with how granular we can get with the kind of data we've got. I think regulators will allow more of that. And I think companies will be very willing to use that within their, not just their rating and pricing, but their risk selection and their underwriting guidelines. And kind of tied into all of this is this whole area about data. Mm -hmm. And, you know, while all of our core systems and underwriting workbenches and pricing and, and rating systems are all absolutely crucial and foundational, at the end of the day, it's going to be about data that's going to yeah. really differentiate companies and be able to really underwrite and deal and provide better insights, you know, whether it's risk assessment, it's underwriting, it's claims, whatever it may be. So given your background, Kyle, and now your work with Ernix, how do you think insurance need to rethink their data? And how is machine learning and AI changing insurance? And where do you see innovation kind of coming out of this over the next three to five years? And what are you guys doing? Well, it's very interesting. And obviously having spent seven years at Verisk, you know, an ISO being one of the great, the largest purveyors, collectors and purveyors of data to the industry, really got a, an interesting view of it from that side. And I was a user of that data for many, many years, you know, as a customer prior to that. Look, the insurance industry has no shortage of data. It probably collects more data on people than just about any other industry out there. I still think it struggles mightily with organizing that data and being able to figure out what to do with it. At the end of the day, some of the platforms uh, that insurance companies have worked with over time have restricted that. Let's be honest, some old core systems that ran on mainframes that were coded in COBOL, I unfortunately 
used to code in COBOL back in the day. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> um, yeah. That, then we're really showing our age, Denise. Exactly. Um, you know, th that's very restricted, very rigid. We now have so much more flexibility, so much more capability with respects to how we organize and gain insight from vast quantities of data. But it's still a, a monumental task to set it all up so that it works properly or it works at all. So first of all, insurance companies, you know, again, now they have chief data officers. They've got people who it's not just enough to extract historical data from your database and run retrospective reports. That's what the insurance company's been built on. We are now looking not just within our own silos, our own kind of the data we collect about our customers, our brokers, our agents, our partners. We're looking for any external data element we can bring into our kind of ecosystem and our models that can help us be more predictive and, and create some insight into the type of risks that we're writing. So at the end of the day, back to what I said originally about Ernix, Ernix has always helped companies organize and gain insight from those vast quantities of data that they had. And, and again, I call that the traditional data that we've used for modeling and pricing and underwriting for all these years. But this concept now of bringing in vast quantities of, of new types of data and automating so many of the processes, even data scanning, data ingestion, data augmentation, automating those processes and using machine learning tools or AI to uh, help you sort of pre-process and extract what you really want from that data before you bring it into your models. There's so much data manipulation that goes on now before you ever bring it into a, a core system or even a modeling system like ours. And those techniques are getting more and more sophisticated all the time. So we have to help customers enable those techniques. And you also almost, you almost have to be agnostic. Oh, you know, I'm working with actuaries all the time and some of them still work everything on spreadsheets. Others are doing their modeling in Python. Others are working with competitors of ours, literally to run their models, but then they want to bring it into our pricing and rating engines. And then they ultimately want to see it uh, successfully operationalized in a system like Majesco. You've got to be open to all of that. You kind of have to be agnostic. You can't just put walls around what you do. And I think as these ecosystems build out and our big insurance company customers say, hey, you know what? We want best of breed of everything. We all have to be responsive to that. Figure out a way to work together. And then, as I said at the outset, just let your imagination be the only thing that limits you because we may have this conversation two years from now and be talking about a whole new set of data elements that we didn't even think of. If that seems to be how quickly these things are evolving. You know, I couldn't agree more. And I think that when I look back at my career in the industry, I actually think the last five years, and I, I think about the next five years, I think it's the most exciting period in my career for the industry. And I've worked with some insurance companies that have done some really innovative things. But I think the time right now is so interesting and exciting because there are so many things coming together that really open up that those opportunities. And so with that, as you kind of think about that, Kyle, as you continue to evolve from an Ernix perspective, what do you guys see as the future of insurance that kind of gets you all excited? I couldn't agree with you more. And the only problems for you and I means is we're never going to retire. We're going to look at the next five years as, man, the next five years are going to be really cool. I don't want to miss that. So we'll be having this conversation from a nursing home somewhere years from now. But we've been in some core parts of the business, but I think you're aware that we are trying to reframe conversations we have with customers now. And we look at the tools that Ernix has 
we've coined a, a phrase uh, called intelligent insurance operations. We feel like there is a, a missing element to what, again, you know, every company, every insurance company, like every bank and every other fintech, they've all got a technology stack. They've got multiple pieces of software and analytic tools that they use to run their business. And there is a, a layer, an element that is as much analytical as it is operational that seems to be missing, that ties a lot of these things together. It ties all this crazy new data. It ties the workflow pieces, the, the core rating. It ties it all together in a way where the different people within the insurance value chain from the actuaries that are you know, modeling and thinking up rates to the underwriters who are creating new programs, pro let's say product managers first, coming up with new programs, underwriters who have to underwrite rate and issue these policies all the way through to claims folks and porting and financial people, they don't speak a common language. It's very difficult. There's so many handoffs, so many different places of disconnection within a typical insurance company. We're trying to create some consistency there. I think ultimately we see, I've heard you guys use the term too. I think the idea that there are going to be far more integrated and composable systems, if there's a word I, I would just continue to resonate with, that composable piece will be so important because it's not just enough to have integration. You have to have composability, I think, going forward. And I think that will revolutionize the insurance industry. It'll make for some really exciting new program developments. And I think you'll end up seeing some model insurers that, that do some really cool things about the way they put these component parts together that will become a, you know, sort of a, a roadmap for others to follow. And right now, you know, there's, again, there's lots of people trying to stand up brand new low code, no code systems or no, or no systems at all. And I wish everybody the best of luck, but at the end of the day, this is a complex business and you've got to have some really, really high powered tools to do it successfully. So I think the it's left if for those of us that have created some of these high powered tools to figure out how to bring them all together and work in a, you know, it really truly in a, in a meaningful way so that our common customers, these large insurance companies and banks can run their businesses more efficiently. And the thing is, is that insurance isn't getting any simpler. It's yeah. just because risk is not getting simpler these days. <laughs> I always like to close up with this question. If you could pick one word, Kyle, to describe the future of insurance, what would it be and why? I was going to choose complex because you just touched on how complex it is, but that's, I can't leave on that. That's just such a downer. You know, I feel bad about that. So I'm going to pick personal because where we are as, as consumers of everything is we now expect these hyper-personalized experiences with everything that we do. We expect absolute instantaneous gratification, instant access to everything we want, whether it's data or it's clicking a button and ordering something from Amazon or you name it. I mean, it's, there is a level, the, the most successful people that are involved in any of those sort of interactions with, with us as individuals have figured out a way to personalize those experiences for us so that they are really tailored to us. They're meaningful. They, they create kind of an experiential thing that, that links us to whatever that app or that business is. And insurance has talked that game for many, many years, but I don't think they've delivered on it. So I'm hopeful that insurance figures out how to make it personal, how to really make it personal for everybody. I think they're beginning to figure it out. They're certainly knowing that we as consumers are demanding it. Let's figure out a way to help deliver on that. 
I couldn't agree more. I, I love it. So Kyle, it's been great having this conversation today. And I know we here at Majesco are just thrilled with our partnership. Uh, uh, we think that there's some great things ahead for both of us, but more important for our joint customers to really kind of accelerate the change that their customers are really expecting in the products that they want. Couldn't agree more. Thanks, Kyle. And uh, we'll talk soon. Appreciate it. Take care.